The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. All these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, then you will also know my Father. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Master, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else, believe because of the works themselves. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater ones than these because I am going to the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. I heard a story the other day about a passion play that went wrong. The account of what happened was circulated in a text message that was then picked up on the internet, and that's where I got wind of it. Basically, the account of the story said that uh, during a passion play, as they were nailing Jesus to the cross at the critical moment, the entire cross broke into several pieces. No one knew what to do, and the whole room got very quiet. Finally, one of the guards on stage said, You get out of it this time, Jesus. Now, apparently the whole place cracked up, and the person sharing this account also thought it was exceedingly funny. And you also may find it amusing. But I'm not sharing the story for your amusement, but to make a point. As I heard this story, I couldn't help but think that many people who witnessed this event, and many who heard about it, probably asked themselves what would have happened if during the actual crucifixion, the cross had broken like that. I mean, we've all heard stories about people who were going to be executed and something happened, like uh, the rope broke during a hanging and the condemned person was allowed to go free. So I'm sure that maybe many thought, as the guard's comment suggested, that if the cross had broken, that Jesus would have gotten out of it. But as I reflected on it, I realized 
that if through some strange twist of cross construction, the cross had broken, I knew exactly what would have happened. In the same way that Jesus healed Malchus, the high priest's slave, whose ear Peter had cut off, Jesus would have gotten up and miraculously restored the cross to a structurally intact unit so it could carry out its intended purpose. He would not let a faulty cross stand in the way of the purpose for which he had come. Because in spite of what the worldview would suggest, Jesus was not an unwilling captive seeking to escape from his death, but was in fact the willing sacrificial lamb of God who came to earth for this purpose, to save us from our sins and make possible our salvation. The reason I share this story is that It is only with a full appreciation for the willingness of Jesus' sacrifice and the role it plays in our salvation that we can fully appreciate the difference between someone being a way and the way. The difference between someone talking about truth and being the truth. The difference between someone discussing a way of life and being the life. And understanding this difference now may be more important than any other time in our lives. During this time of challenge, it is wonderful to hear Jesus' words, do not let your hearts be troubled. Because I think it's safe to say that many of our hearts are troubled. But of course, the source of our trouble is the same issue that the apostles are facing. And the answer to our trouble lies in the answer Jesus gave them as well. They are thinking in terms of the worldly. And Jesus is speaking of the heavenly. Thomas is thinking very practically when he tells Jesus, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? as is Philip when he says, show us the Father and and that will be enough for us. Thomas wants a specific physical location and a map to get there. And Philip wants a face-to-face with the Father. In the same way, don't we wish we knew more specifics about this COVID-19 issue? And isn't our anxiety compounded and multiplied by our lack of knowledge and control? How does it work? Spread? Sicken and kill. How can we cure it, stop it, prevent it, protect against it? How much isolation is necessary? How much is too much? How bad will the economy get? Will I lose my job, my savings, my life? We desperately want a roadmap to show us how to get out of this mess we are in, to tell us where we are going and the way to get there. We desperately want to know who we can trust and what we can believe among the incredible amount of information and misinformation we are being bombarded with on a constant basis. Just tell us the truth. Show us the way. Save our lives and way of life. 
and that will be enough for us. As I let Jesus answer to Thomas, every bit as powerful now as it was then, wash over me. I was struck by one repeated little word in his response. And that word was thee. Jesus is not offering them directions or instructions. No more rules and laws or some earthly location or institution. Jesus is not offering himself as an answer, as a truth, as one way of life among many. No. He is stating simply, plainly, directly, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He himself. He is to be experienced, to be consumed, to be absorbed. We are not called to simply know about him as one option chosen from several, not to simply regard following him as a choice to be considered along with where will I spend my vacation, go to college, look for a job, raise my family, retire. Because if we have learned one thing these past several weeks, one tremendously valuable and life-altering lesson, it is that this life is passing away. All the things we might have felt were a sure thing, our health, financial security, our family connections, our freedom to come and go as we please, our job security. Our confidence in all of it has been somewhat shaken. But in the midst of all this uncertainty, Jesus remains unshaken, untouched, and undeterred. The way, the truth, and the life. But how do we use that knowledge to get us through these times? I mean, that's a nice lofty statement, but what if I still find myself struggling frequently as my inspiration fades and my fears well up in me with each news story and yet another day separated from family, friends, and church? Well, if I may offer one suggestion, it's that we avoid the tendency to compartmentalize our faith. Now more than ever, we don't want our relationship with Jesus to remain simply a part of our lives, but work toward making it as it was intended, the very center and purpose of our lives. What do I mean by that? Well, I have found that for some reason, I routinely carve my daily schedule into sections that are separated by task, focus, goal, etc., Even on a day that starts with a goodly amount of prayer time, feeling close to God and the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we may find that when we finish our prayer time and move on to the next part of our day, we can start to minimize God's active participation in it. And at at some point later in the day, we experience temptation or the near occasion of sin. Whether we find ourselves becoming angry or impatient, critical or selfish, or or tempted by greed, lust, gossip, or whatever, rather than bringing God right into the struggle, we act as though we don't want him to know about it. We try to handle it on our own as if turning to Jesus in prayer about it will somehow reveal to him how often we struggle with this or that, 
reflect badly on us, or worse, because maybe we want to have that angry moment, feed that grudge or whatever, and we certainly don't want him to know that. It's funny how if we are driving down the freeway and the car starts to make a funny noise, we will quickly say a prayer that we don't break down. Or if we are working in the yard or exercising and suddenly feel a twinge in our chest, we immediately pray that we are not having a heart attack. But when we struggle with certain patterns of sin, we often go everywhere but to the source that can really help. Thinking we are keeping it from Jesus makes about as much sense as Adam and Eve hiding in the garden. After all, he knows everything about us. He knew us in our mother's womb. He knows when we sit and when we stand. He certainly knows when we are tempted to sin. So why not ask him immediately for help? Why not involve him in conversation, also known as prayer, being simply honest about our struggle? Imagine that we are coveting our neighbor's goods, for example. He or she has a new car and we are driving our old clunker. We resent them having what we can't afford, and every time we see that new beauty, we struggle with feelings of envy, jealousy, resentment, judgment, the whole package. What if rather than struggling on our own, we quickly brought God into the picture, saying simply, Oh Lord, you know how it makes me feel every time I see Smith's new car, and it's not good. Help me in my weakness, and keep me from sin. In Jesus' name I pray. We might be surprised to find that in the same way he helps us with our sin, he also wants to take away our fear of things we can't control and give us peace. Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life has big implications for our lives. Sometimes we find it easier to accept the larger concept and principle, but fail to work it into the smaller details of our everyday lives where it can really make a difference. Jesus has gone to the Father and wants to do great works through those that believe in him. Why not let him start by our bringing his way and his truth into every aspect of our life? For questions or comments on this podcast, email deaconjoe2017 at gmail.com.